I'm going to preach on uh, hypocrisy this evening, still busy with a series on personal problems. And I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verse 37 to the end of the chapter. Luke 11, verse 37 to 54. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us new strength. We draw from your strength, Lord. Empower us through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Give us grace not only to understand but to obey. Give us grace not only to obey, obey but to persevere. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Greek word for hypocrite really has the idea of an actor in, in a theatre, an actor on stage, but an actor wearing a mask. That's exactly what a hypocrite is. is. It's, a, it's an actor. It's someone who, he, he's not really that person. He's acting. So outwardly he's someone, but inwardly he's someone else. And that's how the Pharisees and the lawyers were, or the Pharisees and the scribes in this chapter, Luke chapter 11, 37 to 54. And what Luke does is he gives, what Jesus really does, Luke is the author, Jesus is the preacher here, is he gives us eight, eight marks of a hypocrite. The first one is, hypocrites, they place their traditions above God's word. Verse 37 and 38. While Jesus was speaking... A Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. So let me tell you about this pastor. He's new to a church, a new pastor of a church in a town called Traditionville. <laughs> and in Traditionville, after a few months of being the pastor at this church, he sees that there's something in the church that's not quite in line with God's word. So at a church meeting, he makes a proposal and says, we need to change this. We need to get in line with God's word. And what do the people say? But we've done this for years. We've always done it this way. And that's basically what this Pharisee says to Jesus as they're sitting at table while well, he invites him for dinner, and as they're sitting at table, this is basically what he says to Jesus. And we know that the Pharisees, they knew the scriptures well, but Jesus said they don't practice what they preach in Matthew 23, verse 2 and 3. And what they do is they place their traditions above scripture. For instance, you blind man, um, or you, you layman who was just healed, why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath? You're not allowed to do so. Now, where did scripture say you're not allowed to do that? Carry your bed on the Sabbath. Or you disciples, Jesus, why are your disciples rubbing wheat or corn in their hands? You're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And so they add all these things to Scripture. They got their traditions. You shouldn't be healed on the Sabbath and so on and so forth. And so this Pharisee is really shocked. He's shocked because Jesus is not holding to the traditions. Why doesn't Jesus wash before, before dinner? Why doesn't he wash his hands? And, and this is not about hygiene. This is about tradition. What the Pharisees do is, is 
the reason they wash when they come from town before dinner is oh, what, well, perhaps when I went to the mall today perhaps when I went to the market today I, I took money from a Gentile or maybe I took money from someone and the guy's busy, busy committing adultery I didn't know it so perhaps I'm, I'm uh, impure now I'm unclean or maybe I maybe I bumped into someone and that guy had just been at the funeral one of the pallbearers and um, carried the coffin and he's impure now I'm impure and all these kinds of things, as you read in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. So that's why they washed. And people, they like that still. Today they, they like that. If you break their tradition, they're absolutely shocked. They're shocked. A lady who attended our church for a while, she was shocked that I don't read the Ten Commandments every time we have a church service. Or, you know, you're shocked when you go into the church and they, you go into the church and they do read the Ten Commandments. Why do they do that? And, this is not how it's supposed to be. Or you walk into a church and the men don't wear ties. You're busy sinning. You're not wearing a tie. Or you do wear a tie. And, uh, you know, wow, all the men wear ties. This is weird. Why are they doing this? This is wrong. Because it doesn't fit your tradition. Or there's no organ. Or there is an organ. They do play an organ in the church. Or look at this church having these pagan Christmas service. You know, it's a pagan feast, some people say. Or, oh, this church, I can't believe it. They don't have a Christian service, a Christmas service. And you know, you know that verse in the Bible that, said, that says that you must have a service on Christmas Day? Yeah, you don't know that verse because it's not there. <laughs> or, oh, these people, they're not worshipping God correctly. Because they, were, they, they gathered in a church building and church buildings are pagan. It comes from the Roman Catholics started this. Or, oh, these people, they're so weird. You can't worship God in a house. How can you have a house church? Now tell me, where does Scripture command that or where does Scripture forbid those things that I just mentioned? Well, nowhere. So it's a tradition. And some of those traditions are older than others. And I'm not saying to have traditions are wrong. Uh, you can have those traditions as long as you've, you, not, you don't go against God's word and, and you're sincere. But it becomes a problem where you want, to, you want to force these things upon others and you think you're better than others or you think God commands us to do it this way and really God doesn't command you or forbid you to do it this way or that way. Uh, or you think you can earn God's favor or can make you spiritually pure if you do it this way. Or if you do what the Pharisees did, you start placing it on the same level as God's word. And eventually what happens is you just, you just push God's word out of the way. And your tradition stands. Like happened in, in Mark chapter 7. Where Jesus said, you place your traditions above God's word. Above the word. Second mark of a hypocrite. They are outwardly clean but inwardly filthy, or outwardly pure, but inwardly impure. Verse 39 to 41. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. Did not he who make the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So let's say you've uh, met a new friend, you haven't been to his or her house, and for the first time you go for a cup of tea, and wonderful, and they make a cup of tea, and you sip your tea, and when you come to the very last bit, as you swallow, 
you see, oh, the cup, the stains of the previous cup of tea is still there. It's never been cleaned, never been washed. That's how the Pharisees were. The outside of the cup is clean, the outside of the plate or the dish is clean. So ceremonially, these Pharisees are clean. They wash the cups and plates so it can be pure, Mark chapter 7, verse 4. But inwardly, Jesus says, you are wicked, you are greedy, you are evil. Where did you get this rich food that you, that you dished up that we enjoy today? Where did you get this grape juice we're enjoying? You got it from stealing from widows. That's where you got it. You are greedy. And the Pharisees were greedy. Luke 16 verse 14. And they did devour widows' houses. Oh, your husband left you some money, I believe. You know that God needs your money. And you should give to God. And I'm God's servant. Luke 20 verse 47. And that's still how hypocrites do it today. So outwardly, they like this. Outwardly, they are clean and they do right. But there where no one sees behind closed doors... And in the dark and in their thoughts, Jesus says, you are inwardly, you are evil. You are wicked. What, what hypocrites do is they limit their religion to externals, to certain places, to certain times. So Jesus just becomes an add-on. Jesus isn't everything. And the solution then is not to just try harder to be externally clean, outwardly where everyone sees what you do and what you say, but to become inwardly new, inwardly transformed, inwardly born of God, born again, a new creation, be washed by the blood of Christ, washed by the Holy Spirit. So yes, Jesus does say to good church people, you must be born again. Repent of your sin. Ask God for a new heart. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe in Him as your Lord. Follow Jesus. Love Jesus. Obey Jesus. It is foolishness, utter foolishness, if you try to live a life, a good life outwardly, but inwardly you have not been changed. Jesus says so in verse 40. You fools. Did not he who make the outside make the inside also? Or made the outside make the inside also? God didn't just create your body. He created your soul. And if that is true, well, then we shouldn't only be concerned about externals and, and outward appearance and appearances and outward righteousness, but also about inward righteousness. Inwardly a change of heart. God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the externals only. Merely. So we need to give attention to the inward man. Private prayer and not just elegant public prayers. Fighting against those inward sins and thoughts and not just the outward thoughts. Not just focusing on, oh, let me give, let me... Let me give money to God's kingdom. Let me give money to this children's home just because you want your picture in the newspaper. Look what my business did. Instead of giving even where no one knows what you are giving toward the Lord's work. And that's what he says in verse 41. Give us alms those things that are within. And behold, everything's clean for you. 
Now that doesn't mean you're not allowed to pray and you're not allowed to give uh, and, and people find out, no one may find out about it. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is do it with pure motives. Do it because you want to honor God and not because you want the favor of men. As the Pharisees, as the hypocrites did in Matthew 6. So our Christianity, it's not limited to externals. Otherwise you become those kinds of people. Hey, don't swear, this is a pastor. Hey, I'm not going to drink if the pastor's at the braai. But if the pastor's not there, I'll get drunk and I'll tell those dirty jokes. Let it come on. Bring it on. And who's the pastor anyway? The Lord is there. Even though the pastor's not there, the Lord is there. Or you become those kinds of people. Hey, I never put any other book on top of my Bible. Because the Bible, I have respect for the Bible. But that same person doesn't even read his Bible. He doesn't read his Bible and doesn't obey the Bible. Third mark of a hypocrite, or of hypocrites, they nitpick, but they are disobedient. Verse 42. Woe to you, Pharisees! You tithe mint and rue and every herb, but neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. I got a little, uh, it's not a magazine, maybe like a quarterly journal. I'll pick and pay, so it can't be a quarterly journal. Advertisement. Uh, but it's a little booklet written for Jews, just wishing them a happy Passover. And then it's got a whole lot of different products they can buy. It's kosher food, Jews can eat it. Especially at Passover, there's no leaven in it, because you're not allowed to have leaven or yeast anywhere near or anywhere in your house during Passover. So then it's got a list of ways you can clean out everything uh, before the Passover feast and, and then getting rid of certain things in your house that has got yeast in. And then even dog food. You get rid of this dog food because that has yeast in it. That's exactly how the Pharisees were. The Pharisees, all these nitpicking detailed laws and, and Jesus condemns them six times. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. They, they, they nitpick. And they're so particular about certain rules that God hasn't commanded them. But then the, the rules that God has told us, God's laws, well, they just ignore them. They just ignore them in verse 42. I can almost see how they, they count the different leaves on the, on the, uh, the aniseed, the, all these seeds and all these little herbs, the little leaves, and let's count them and 10% goes to the Lord. And yet, Jesus says, you don't have the love of God in your hearts. You don't have God's love. You neglect justice. You, you're so selfish. Yes, you count those things. Oh, this is for God's work. But you won't give a single leaf of this herb to a poor person to help the poor. What does your, the Lord your God demand of you? But to love kindness, to do justice, and to walk humbly with your God. And yet, they don't do that, Jesus says. And so, what they're doing is they're neglecting the greatest two commandments, love for God and love for your neighbor. So it's as if, Jesus says in Matthew 23, it's as if oh, you, suck the, you suck the wine with your, through your teeth, you keep your teeth clenched when you drink the wine, and, and then if there are any gnats, any little insects in the wine, it'll stick to your teeth and you can pick them off. But then Jesus says you swallow a camel. Oh no, we mustn't drink a gnat, a gnat, a little insect that's impure. Well, a camel, that's what you swallow. And Jesus is, is exaggerating, using hyperbole, to say, you're unclean. You're unclean from the inside. 
Now, Jesus does not mean, oh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't contribute to the work of God's kingdom. That's not what Jesus means. He says these you should have done without neglecting the others. His point is, don't be so particular and so particular that, oh, we need to do this and we need to do that. And this thing's not written in Scripture. And you think you can really please God by keeping your own rules that you've made up. Now, it may seem a bit far-fetched, and it may seem a bit, well, what is this to do with us? We don't do that. Well, how, did, how are we tempted at, on this specific point to be like the Pharisees? Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you feel guilty if you don't read the chapters according to your Bible reading program, or whatever you do for your quiet time, and you haven't, you haven't done the whole thing, or, or you haven't prayed through your whole prayer list? Do you feel guilty? And then on the other hand, do you feel good about yourself? I did it today. I can tick the box. I did it all. And so what happens is your quiet time, I don't know if you feel, I I feel this way sometimes. What happens then is your quiet time becomes a means by which you think I can earn God's favor or I'm not going to have God's favor. So it all hangs on how good was my quiet time today and that's now going to determine is the Lord going to give me a good day or am I not going to have a good day? Or, another question, do you say, you know, I give, I give 10% of my income to the Lord, and the rest of my salary, because I've given 10%, now I can use it as I please. And so again, our, our contribution to God's work now becomes a box that you tick, instead of really giving, because this is a way you want to say to the Lord, Lord, I love you. I want to give to the work, uh, I want to contribute to the, the work of the kingdom and I want to love my neighbor. Or are you so, you're so particular and you really watch this that you don't want to say any word that even sounds like, it, it mustn't even sound like blasphemy. So you mustn't say yes like. Because that sounds like the name of Jesus. And by the way, Jesus' name isn't yes like. And you think, I shouldn't say this word, but you don't have any problem in calling names, name-calling people of other skin colors. So you use strong words in describing them, and they they made in God's image. That's hypocrisy. Number four, fourth mark of a hypocrite, or of hypocrites, They are self-important. Verse 43. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. I remember at my friend's wedding about 20 years ago, uh, the host, the lady, at one stage we referred to her husband. We, We asked something about her husband and we called, accidentally called him uncle. We spoke of uncle. And with her stiff upper lip, she said, he's not uncle. He is Professor Doctor. Sorry, lady. Well, the Pharisees were like that. They didn't love God. Verse 42, they loved the praises of men. Verse 43. Uh, Thomas Watson, one of my favorite hypocrites, says, (laughs) sorry, one of my favorite uh, authors. Sorry about that. Uh, He says, a hypocrite has a squint eye, for he looks more to his own glory than to God's. He looks more to his own glory than to God's. 
Now, how did the Pharisees do this? How did they boast in themselves? Oh, Jesus says, verse 43, they love the best seats in the synagogues. Oh, sitting right there close to the preacher where everyone can see them. I want to hear the word first. I'm so eager to hear God's word. And they really enjoyed, verse 43, they really enjoyed when people would, <clears throat> would address them in the marketplace and greet them according, especially according to their title, Matthew 23. Hello, Rabbi, or whatever other grand title they had. And, and it's, it's like that. <clears throat> it's like that today. It's still like that. <clears throat> I remember a student, he had finished his the theological studies, and then he was accepted as um, on the list of pastors, the list of pastors of the association. And then soon after that, he called the denominational headquarters and, or the head office, and the secretary answered the phone. And she said, oh, let me just give a, a name. She said, hi, John. And he said to her, it's not John. It is Reverend John. Hmm. I was part of a meeting of Bible translation, and it's just an advisory committee. And one of the men had just earned his doctorate. He'd finished his doctorate. And, and they congratulated him. You know, and, he, and he, it's like he, you could really see he felt so proud of, yes, thank you, thank you. I'm Dr. So-and-so now. I'm not whatever he was before, uncle. <laughs> I'm now doctor. So please, on that ground, on that very point, I want to ask you, you do not have to call me a reverend or in Afrikaans, duomini. You don't have to call me there. And I'm, I'm quite particular about this because in Matthew 23, Jesus says, do not let anyone call you rabbi or teacher or father or whatever. And I know some of the older people, the older folks struggle with this because they grew up calling the pastor duomini or reverend or whatever title. But you can call me Ivor. You can call me by my name, um, and I try to do practice this with older pastors. I don't want to call them duomini. I call them uncle if they're older than I am. And, and you might say, you know, we don't have that problem. We don't have these titles. Even if you don't have titles, you and I, we can still be tempted to be self-important like these Pharisees. You can actually desire to be holy or humble or friendly or, or devoted because you want to be known for it. Especially at your funeral. You daydream about how they actually speak these wonderful things about you. And your motives are wrong. You don't do it because you want God's glory and God's to glorify God. Number five, fifth mark of hypocrites. They are impure. And they contaminate others. Verse 44. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. So apparently, I'm not a, a professional on COVID-19, but apparently you can have COVID-19 without knowing it, and people can be contaminated, they can get effect, infected without knowing you had COVID-19, and you didn't know it, and they didn't know it. That's how the Pharisees were. Jesus says you like unmarked graves. So here are a lot of people, they're on their way to a feast in Jerusalem, the Feast of Tabernacles or Passover or whatever, and on the way to the feast they're tired, so they sit under a tree on a rock and they, or on a stone, and they didn't know this is a grave. And someone said, hey, you can't sit there, that's a grave. And oh no, now they're impure. 
Numbers 19, you can't touch a grave, then you're impure. And then you can't go to the feast. You miss the feast. And in the same way, many people didn't know that the Pharisees are actually leading them on the wrong path. And these, the Pharisees, they, they're contaminating them. They're infecting them with false teaching, as verse 44 says. So outwardly, according to Matthew 23, these Pharisees looked spectacular. They like whitewashed tombs. Oh, brilliant, white, beautiful. A tombstone, look at that. But inwardly, it's a, it's a grave full of dead men's bones. They're full of impurity, Jesus says. And I think it's for this very reason that pastors, the pastor's life is just as important as his doctrine, as the teaching he gives. So stay away from preachers, stay away from churches where they preach pure doctrine, but the pastor lives an unholy life. Sixth mark of hypocrites, they are slave drivers. Verse 45 and 46. One of the lawyers answered him, teaching, saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, woe to you, lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So these, these lawyers or these scribes, they were the professional students of the law. They were the doctors, they were the theologians. And it's not wrong that they were professional students of God's law. Um, Ezra 7, Ezra was a scribe. But what these scribes did is they, were, they really took offense at Jesus and what he had said to the Pharisees. And they said, you're insulting us also. What are they saying? They're saying we're committing the same sins. They should have said, Lord, we convicted, we repent. But they didn't. And then Jesus doesn't ask, he doesn't excuse himself, or he just doesn't say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry I've offended you. No, you are just as guilty. And Jesus basically says in verse 46, you, you load all these burdens on people's backs, all these rules you've made, all these traditions, they're not in God's word, and then you tell people, follow these rules if you want to be saved, and you don't lift a finger to help them. And when they lie down under the, the load, you kick them. You condemn those. You didn't keep these rules. You think you're better than others. Oh, we don't eat with sinners. Why does Jesus eat with sinners? I'm better than other people. You're, you're a sinner, you blind man. John chapter 9. And so Jesus says to them, you're hard on other people's sins. You're soft on your own sin. So you see the, the speck in someone else's eye. You miss the beam in your own. I recently heard of a man who was busy committing adultery and he was busy, he really was accusing his wife, saying, yes, my wife, yeah, she's flirting with others and she's got something going on um, with other men. And, and then the pastor said, and yes, and you? You're accusing your wife. What about the messages of, on your phone? And the guy was shocked. He didn't know the pastor knew about it and he didn't know his wife knew about it. And this often would the hypocrite does. Puts the blame on someone else because he doesn't want to focus on his own sin. And that happens in churches. It happens in churches where pastors, when they load people with burdens, like the Pharisees, load people with burdens, uh, just do this, don't do that. Moral, moralism, moral preaching, don't do this. 
avoid this and so on. And yes, we should show and warn people from God's word, but we should, we should ease the load. My burden is light. My yoke is easy, Jesus said. Bring the gospel to show them there is forgiveness for sinners. There is salvation. God can change us into new people. Seventh mark of a hypocrite. They are murderers. Verse 47 to 51. And then 53 and 54. 47. Woe to you. For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers for they killed them. And you build their tombs. Therefore all the wisdom of God, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. So the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. 53. And he went away from there. As he went away, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. You know, some of the worst persecution in church history came through religious people. It came through hypocrites. It came through people who said, we are God's people, like the Jews, like the Roman Catholic Church. And that's exactly how it was with the scribes and Pharisees, with these lawyers and the Pharisees. Jesus says, you build the tombs of the prophets, the prophets who were murdered by your forefathers. And, and they really thought, these Pharisees, oh, we are honoring the prophets. Look how beautiful we are making their tombs. But in Matthew said, they said, in Matthew 23, we, will, we would never have murdered the prophets like our fathers did. And Jesus says, your own words are condemning you. You acknowledge you are children of the murderers and not children of the prophets. And according to the wisdom of God, verse... 49, and obviously Jesus is the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1.24. So Jesus says, according to myself, I say to you, I'm going to send you apostles, I will send you a prof, uh, the prophets, and you're going to persecute them. You'll kill them too. You'll do exactly what your forefathers did. And they did it. And the greatest proof is, even at this very moment, they were making plans how they could trap Jesus and catch him, because they wanted to kill him. End of the chapter says they were trying to catch him in his words. They did that again and again and again. And in the end they murdered him. They murdered the Messiah. So that is why he says you are filling up in Matthew 23. You are filling up the measure of your father's sins. It's not oh my grandfather sinned and now God's going to punish me for his sin. No, you're doing the same sin as your grandfather. You didn't repent of your grandfather and your father's sin. You're following their example. And Jesus says the punishment will come on this generation. End of verse 50, end of verse 51. This generation. And he did punish them. He destroyed them, he destroyed their temple in AD 70 through the Romans. At the hand of the Romans. And so he held them responsible. As he says in verse 50 and 51. I will hold you responsible for the blood of all the prophets. All the prophets throughout history. From the blood of Abel, who was murdered in Genesis 4, to the blood of Zechariah, who was 
murdered in Second Chronicles 24. And he was killed, murdered between the altar and the sanctuary. Now, our Old Testament, the first book is Genesis, the last one, Malachi, the Hebrew Old Testament, the one Jesus read. The first book was Genesis, the last one was Second Chronicles. So they had exactly the same books as we do, just in a different order. So what Jesus is saying, you and your fathers murdered the prophets from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament. From Abel to Zechariah, from Genesis to Second Chronicles. Now in South Africa, Christians aren't persecuted to the point of death. And yet, a hypocrite will hate you. And will murder you in his heart. He will wish you out of his life. If you point out his sin as Jesus did to them. Pointing out their sin. And so what hypocrites do. To stop people from knowing who they really are. And to see that they're hypocrites. They don't, they don't really enjoy coming to church. Especially if it's a biblical church. Where the word of God is preached. And church discipline is practiced. Because they don't want to feel guilty. And they don't want, to want people to know who they really are. And yet Jesus sees their hearts. And Jesus will show their sin. He will reveal their sin on the last day, on the day of judgment. And he will reveal it in front of the whole world. Chapter 12, verse 1. It says at the end, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And then verse 2 and 3. It doesn't matter what you do in the dark. It's going to be made known. What you whisper, it's going to be made known. It will be trumpeted before the world. So why not as Christians, guys? Why not as Christians? Why not be open? Why not be a person of integrity? A person of transparency? Transparency, Being an honest person. Asking the Lord, Lord, purify my heart. Purify these dark corners. Purify the hypocrisy that is still there. Cleanse me. Wash me clean. And number eight, finally, the last mark of hypocrites is they lead others to hell with them. Verse 52. I, I know a story of, and some of you might remember this, it was in our local newspaper, a story of a, a mother who shot her five-year-old girl and then shot herself. It was terrible. It's terrible for the mother to have committed suicide. It's worse for the mother to have committed in killing your, your daughter and then yourself. And that's how the Jewish leaders were. It's bad enough for them to go to hell, but then dragging others with you. How did they drag others with them to hell? Well, God gave them the key of knowledge. What is the key of knowledge in verse 52? It's the key to the knowledge of God. What's that? It's the Bible. They were supposed to teach people the word of God, but they didn't. They taught people traditions. The poison of just... This tradition, this tradition, keep these rules and you will go to heaven. You'll enter the kingdom. And so they missed heaven and those who listen to them, those who hear them. I think this really speaks to us as preachers. Brothers, those of you who preach in this church, be careful. Be careful. Those who preach, those who teach others will be judged with a stricter judgment. You telling others to do it, do you? Or you telling them to do things, is it really God's word you're teaching? Is it God's word that I'm teaching? And then also an application for parents. Are you teaching your children the Bible? Or do you just leave them, the school can teach them? Whatever. Television can teach them, the internet can teach them, friends can teach them. 
Well, if those children end up in hell, you're responsible with them. You are responsible. Or perhaps you say, yes, I do teach my children the Bible. But what about your example as a parent? If you teach them the Bible but you yourself don't obey, that's hypocrisy. And you're leading that child to hell with you. So, so I hope you can see that it's a very serious matter, this. It's a very serious matter, and yet I want to tell you, God can forgive hypocrites. I heard in 2007 a pastor told me about a man in his church, and this man, the elders found out he was beating his wife. And then the man got very, very sick. And he called the pastor and said, please, will you come and pray for me? Because James 5 says that if someone among you is sick, he should call the elders and the elders should come and pray for him and anoint him with oil. And then the Lord will heal that person. And the pastor said, no, I'm not coming. Because James 5 says if someone among you is ill, you're not among us. You're not a believer. you living in sin. And the guy was shocked. And the pastor put down the phone. And then the guy called back after a, some minutes and he said, All right, please will you send someone to share the gospel with me? And the pastor did send someone. And the guy, this guy prayed, or he shared the gospel with him, and, and the guy repented. And the guy trusted in Christ and he was saved, he was converted. And some months and some years later, he, he was really skyrocketing in spiritual growth, growing and growing and growing. And in the end, he became a spiritual leader in that church. So it is possible for us to be saved from this sin. Even us as Christians, still the dark corners in our hearts, dark places in our hearts. So let us then pray, not with a Pharisee, Oh Lord, thank you in Matthew 18 or Luke 18. Thank you that I'm better than others. Thank you. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a robber. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I, I tithe of everything I receive, everything I get. No, let us not pray that way. Let us rather pray with a tax collector and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that is our prayer, Father. We do pray this evening. God, be merciful to us. Poor sinners, help us. Yes, we need to search our hearts, but help us to not overdo it. To not so keep on looking into our hearts and become depressed, but to see our sin, show it to us, and then help us to look to Jesus for forgiveness and for salvation. Amen.